Well, good evening. Good to see each one of you here tonight. Let's stand together, if you would. Let's turn to page um, number 83. Page 83. This is my Father's world. We'll sing all three verses as we begin tonight from page number 83. Sing out on that first verse. This is my Father's world. And to my listening ears, all nature sings and round me rings the music of the spheres. This is my Father's world. I rest me in the thought of rocks and trees, of skies and seas. His hand the wonders wrought. This is my Father's world. The birds their carols raise. The morning light, the lily white, declare their Maker's praise. This is my Father's world. He shines in all that's fair. In the rustling grass, I hear him pass. He speaks to me everywhere. This is my Father's world. Oh, let me ne'er forget that though the wrong seems all so strong, God is the ruler yet. This is my Father's world. The battle is not done. Jesus who died shall be satisfied and earth and heaven be one. Amen. Great start tonight, preacher. This is my Father's world. Amen. It doesn't belong to us. It belongs to Him. And the battle's not done. That's a, that's a good song tonight. What a blessing. Well, it's good to be in God's house, isn't it? And uh, we always uh, liken our Wednesday night service to an oasis in the desert. Amen. And so it's good to come in and get a cool drink of water from the Word of God. Be around God's people and have fellowship and, and certainly a blessing to see our buses running tonight and those kind of things. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask uh, His blessings on our service here tonight. Uh, certainly be much in prayer for the kids' classes downstairs as well as our uh, teen classes and those kind of things. So let's pray uh, tonight. I'm going to ask uh, Brother Will Kennedy back there if you would pray for us. Amen. Won't you be seated uh, tonight? I did just have a few uh, announcements I wanted to uh, mention. Of course, this coming uh, Saturday is our church-wide uh, outreach, and so that'll be at 1030 in the morning, and we'll be meeting over in the fellowship hall, and so I want to encourage you to be here uh, for that. And then, of course, if you have uh, teens that are in the teen department, uh, do be aware that there is a youth rally going on as well up in uh, Riverside Baptist Church in St. Joseph, uh, Missouri, uh, this Saturday. And they will actually, uh, according to the calendar, are going to be meeting and heading out 
at 9.20 a.m. And so, again, if you have uh, young people in the teen department uh, that are planning to go to that, make sure you are aware of that. And then, of course, uh, this coming Tuesday night, October the 24th, is the ladies' meeting. That'll be at 7 o'clock over in the fellowship hall as well. And so, ladies, you're asked to bring finger foods as well as a ladies' birthday gift. And so if you are involved in the ladies' meetings, uh, make sure that you're aware of that. And then, of course, October the 27th, which is on a Friday, be getting ready to host uh, the Harvest Party over in the E.J. Watson Gymnasium. And so if you have kids in Faith Baptist Christian School, uh, make sure that you're uh, aware of that, that that will be from 1 o'clock to 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And then, of course, uh, for the uh, church, it'll be at 7 o'clock at night until 9 uh, p.m. And there is uh, some sign-up sheets out there. And so uh, any of our church members that would like to help us out with that, please make sure to sign up the sign-up sheet for the helpers list. And then also there is uh, some uh, uh, candy barrel out there. And uh, mercy, I can't even hardly put my words together over something as important as candy. Amen. Uh, but anyways, there's the candy barrel out there. And so we're asking to, uh, if you could help us out with, again, it needs to be indi individually wrapped uh, candies and things like that that, uh, you know, we can hand out uh, to the kids when they play the games and win and things like that. You have to win. We don't give candy out to losers, right? So you got to, I'm just kidding. All right. So. Anyways, uh, looking forward to that. And then October the 29th, which is on a Sunday uh, after the evening service, be the Linger Longer and then also a teen chili cook-off. So we'll be eating chili and stuff like that. And again, eat at your own risk on that deal. Amen. Some other things that are coming up, of course, uh, November the 10th is the church uh, hayride and cookout. And that sign-up sheet is back there as well. And then also wanted to mention this, our Thanksgiving banquet this year is November the 19th, which is on a Sunday. It'd be the Sunday before Thanksgiving, and so we'll have uh, our regular morning services. We'll have uh, dinner on the grounds over in the uh, E.J. Watson Gymnasium, and then we'll come back and have an afternoon service. Brother Frank Wood's going to be here with us that day preaching, and I know he's been a blessing uh, to us in the past, and so he's going to be here uh, for that. And then also that Tuesday, November the 21st, the week of Thanksgiving, will be our midweek service and so again that's on uh, that'll be uh, Tuesday night instead of Wednesday night that week that way people have time to travel uh, for Thanksgiving and stuff uh, like that okay so those are the things uh, there for the announcements if you have your prayer list let's go ahead and get those out uh, tonight I did get a text from brother Owen Wood uh, many of us have been praying for him uh, he got uh, pretty sick and I did uh, got a response uh, yesterday he said, to, uh, "He said, speaking of yesterday, was the first day I've stuck my head out the door, doing a lot better, and so praise the Lord for that, and and uh, sure thankful uh, for that. But we do have quite a few on our health list and things like that. We certainly need to uh, remember uh, in prayer, as well as our unspokens and unsaved, and different things uh, like that. And so I did want to mention uh, t uh, quickly just one update, and that is Miss Laura." Uh, Stanfield, that's Miss Georgie Raymer's uh, sister that's dealing with cancer, and she has she is now back at MD Anderson, and so trying to get some things worked out there, and uh, just really struggling with that. And so, if you would pray uh, for her, I know that she would appreciate uh, that. Anybody uh, have a prayer request or anything like that tonight? An update or anything? So, all right, Miss Zodi.
Okay, who is this? Uncle Mark. Mark Olson. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I'm glad you uh, mentioned that too. Yes, play, uh, please continue to pray for Miss Melanie. Uh, Edler, she's uh, having some uh, pretty uh, serious tests, and so remember her in prayer. And then also, if you would, add Mark Olson on there uh, that was involved in that uh, truck uh, wreck, and so we'll sure be praying for him. So, Anybody else tonight? Okay, Miss Sue? Yes. Good. Good, good. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Praise the Lord. Good. Okay. Good. Okay. Okay. Sure. Okay. Okay, so let's pray for Brother Roy uh, McCray. Uh, he's going to have neck surgery uh, next month, November the 7th. And then also uh, for Jack Gum, uh, continue to pray for him dealing with prostate cancer. And then I was chuckling about Maddie Owens because I saw a card on my uh, table and it said Princess Maddie. And I was like, who is that? And Natalie was like, that's uh, Maddie Owens. We're sending a birthday card. So I was excited to see uh, that. That's a real blessing. But do continue to pray for that young lady and that family. I know they would sure appreciate that. Okay, Brother Will. Yes. Yes. Okay. So let's pray for uh, Charles uh, Douglas and uh, also Kathy as well that we're praying for. And they're in the unsaved uh, column and uh, so former co-worker, Brother Will. So let's pray for that situation and, and his help. Okay. All right, Miss Marilyn. Yes. Okay. Amen. So it's not leprosy. Amen. The ear hadn't fallen off or nothing. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So, brother, brother Carr is a mess, man. Amen. So, let's pray. Let's continue to pray for him, though. It's been a blessing seeing him in his place each night, too, uh, going through that. So, let's continue to pray for that. And let's pray that biopsy comes back with some good results there. I know, I know that'd be a blessing. So, Brother Raymer. 
Okay. So let's pray for the Ramers for traveling. Also, if you would, pray for the Bellises. They're traveling. They actually went down to Neosho because his mom, was Wanda Jackson, that's on our prayer list, is turning 99. And so that was a real blessing there. And so pray for them. I know they appreciate that. Anybody else tonight? Okay, let's have our men uh, come tonight and um, ask the Lord's blessing uh, on our offering tonight as well as uh, these uh, that... Uh, uh, need a lot of prayer. Did want to mention too. We mentioned. I think I mentioned uh, Miss Jenny Carpenter, a missionary in Ecuador, and some of the voting and things that was going on uh, through the weekend, and that they did uh, get that uh, done. Everything is going very well, and so praise the Lord for that. There was no incidents and and things like that. So that was a real blessing. Brother Steve Parker, would you pray for us tonight? Aren't you thankful for God's love tonight? Amen. Let's all stand together. Turn to page 65. 
Page number 65, the love of God, how great it is. Let's sing all three verses tonight. Page number 65. Sing out on the first. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care. God gave his son to win. His erring child he reconciled and pardoned from his sin. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forever must endure the saints and angels' song. When years of time shall pass away and earthly thrones and kingdoms fall, when men who err refuse to pray on rocks and hills and mountains call, God's love so sure shall still endure all measureless and strong, redeeming grace to Adam's race, the saints and angels' song. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forever more endure the saints and angels' song. Could we with think the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. Amen. Great singing tonight. I'm going to ask you to remain standing. Go ahead and get your Bibles ready for the message tonight. Thank you, Brother Eric. Appreciate that. What a blessing tonight. Well, uh, take your Bibles tonight and go with me to 1 uh, Timothy tonight and uh, chapter number 2, the book of 1 Timothy tonight and chapter uh, number uh, 2. And uh, we're going to pick up uh, reading. I, I tell you what, let's kind of go back up to verse uh, number 8 and going to kind of explain some things here as we dive into this. But, of course, we've been in 1 Timothy, the pastoral uh, epistles. I, I love this book. I've, I've been going through it in chapel uh, with the kids. We actually just finished chapter one today, so we fought war today. All right. Uh, but we know this that Timothy was left at the church at Ephesus to establish sound doctrine. Sound doctrine, sound means healthy. So healthy doctrine produces healthy Christians. All right. So we, you know, Timothy's been there. Paul. Uh, has laid that out. Paul has uh, given him the foundation for sound doctrine that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners 
of whom I am chief. The gospel is the foundation. Amen. And so Timothy is there to war a good warfare, to establish sound doctrine, all right? But, but here's the thing. Part of seeing sound doctrine being translated into the people is this, is that sound doctrine not only produces healthy believers, it produces godly believers, all right? And so that's where we're at in chapter number 2, is that it's almost like the theme changes from sound doctrine to really the idea of godliness. And so at the very beginning of the chapter, the first half of this, you see where it focuses on godliness and particularly for men to be godly. Now here's how men are to be godly. To pray. To spend time with God in prayer. To walk with God. To live for God. If men would do that, it would translate into every aspect of their life. And be, become godly men. So notice what he says in verse number 8. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. All right, And again, that's the idea of, of dealing with their authorities where men particularly want to rebel against authorities and fight against authorities and war against authorities in the flesh. Rather, we're to be men of prayer and, and to not have wrath and doubting. All right, so now look at verse number 9. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing, what's that word right there? Godliness with good works. Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. And Adam was not, the, Adam was not deceived, but the woman, was de, uh, the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. So I think it's pretty obvious that now Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, you need to see that men learn to pray and walk with God so that they can be godly. Now here's what he says to Timothy. Now Timothy, here's the other side of that. Women need to be godly too. You know what we need in our churches today? We need godly men, but we need godly women too. And so now he deals with this subject tonight. Now there's a lot of explaining and things here to do, and we're going to get into this, but I'm just telling you, if you and I would open up our hearts and minds tonight and let, what, let God's Word speak and let Him challenge us and let Him help us on some things tonight, and I believe it will be a blessing to you. Father, would you help me tonight? Lord, I certainly want to, as I already prayed privately, I want to communicate not, not only clearly in the things that I say, but how that I say them. Lord, I, I don't want to be a stumbling block to... Anyone that's here, particularly uh, any of our dear ladies that are here, I just, Lord, help us tonight to just simply open up the Bible and to see what you say about how uh, ladies are to dress, how ladies are to handle themselves. God, you speak on those things. And I, I know that people are in different stages of their spiritual growth. And God, that's okay too, Lord. Just help us tonight to learn from these things. Help me tonight to preach, Lord, with with your boldness, with your power, with, with Lord, your confidence, but, but at the same time, Lord, uh, Lord, giving the truth of God's Word in love. And so help us tonight in these things. 
and I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you be seated uh, tonight? Now, I mentioned in the last message this definition of godliness, and I've always said this, if you're going to study the Bible, get you a King James Version of the Bible, get, get you a Strong's Concordance, and then get a Webster's 1828 Dictionary. Now, praise God, you can look it up and Google it now, and it's online. Glory, hallelujah. So you don't have to buy it, all right? Every, you know, it's, and so you have that access there. But the reason I say that is because Brother Noah Webster, man, he, he had a heart to define the words of God in a biblical context, and it tremendously, it's a tremendous help. And so he defines the, word, the term godliness as this, and I want you to listen to this. A careful observance of the laws of God and performance of religious duties. Now watch this. Proceeding from love and reverence for the divine character and commands of Jesus Christ. Let me, let me say that again. A careful observance of the laws of God and performance of religious duties proceeding from love and reverence for the divine character and commands of Jesus Christ. Do you, you catch that? So it begins here. Even Brother Webster made sure to clarify Godliness starts here and begins to protrude this way. It's not a pharisaical thing. It's a Christ-like thing. Is anybody, anybody catching this? Simply put, it, it is this, all right? It's Christian obedience. And, and I'm just telling you, I think that this is a characteristic that is missing in, in our day and time, especially in, in America's new version of Christianity that is, that is rapidly coming to surface, all right? So, so we need to understand this. In essence, godly women are those women who have a love for God and His Word and then desire to manifest the character He has commanded for them in His Word. They strive to carry themselves like other godly women in the Bible. L uh, ladies like Sarah or Ruth. I certainly thought of Hannah that we've been looking at in the kings and the prophets that gave birth to Samuel. No doubt Mary would be one who God would used to bring our Savior into the world. Because of the godly characteristics of these ladies, God used them in a great way, just like God can use godly women in our day and time. All right? So now as we get into this passage tonight, I do want to just, I, I want to move through this quickly here uh, for time's sake, but I do feel like I, I want to explain the phrase that begins verse number 9. Because if you'll notice, there's a transition from verse number 8 where he talks about men praying and, and being godly men. And then in verse number 9, it says this, in like manner also. And the reason that I want to take the time to just explain this is because I was actually sitting in a Sunday school class one time where a guy, missing, the teacher misinterpreted that phrase as to say that in like manner also spoke to uh, back to verse number 8 and how the men were praying and now he's going to deal with women and so it's okay for women to lead in prayer in the church and for the pastor to call on women to lead in prayer in the church and I'm thinking that's not at all what it's saying. Be a fact, Paul makes it clear in verse number verse number 12 that, that he doesn't suffer a woman to teach or usurp authority over the man which that's what that would be. So it was a misinterpretation of it, which then led to a misapplication of it. Is everybody getting this? So you got to understand this, all right? So if you'll notice the phrase there in verse number 8, it begins in verse number 8, he says this, I will therefore, okay? 
that men pray everywhere, lifting up hands, uh, holy hands without wrath and doubting. So, I will therefore, with that phrase, I will therefore, is an expression of desire. What Paul is saying is this, it is my heart, it is my desire that men would learn to pray and walk with God so that they become godly. Is everybody catching that? So when, then when it goes into verse number 9, and it says, in like manner also, that's not talking about women praying like men and leading in prayer. It's talking about the same desire that Paul had for the men to pray. Paul is now saying, and in like manner. In other words, just as I have a desire for men to pray and to be godly, I have that same desire about ladies in this aspect of their life so that they could be godly. Does that make sense? So that's what he's saying there. It's, in other words, it's a, it's a, it's a, it, he's reiterating his desire uh, where, where he had a desire for men to be godly. I now have a desire for ladies to be godly. So now that you understand and I understand what, what he, is, he is saying here, you, you've also got to understand the why. All right, because just as there were reasons why Paul was addressing the need for men to pray and be godly, I, I believe there were also reasons as to why he's addressing the need for women to have these things in their lives and to be godly. So, so here's what I wrote down. Okay, so first, all right, as prayer can be a forgotten attribute for men, well, so too can these godly mannerisms be forgotten for women. Remember, this chapter deals with the two genders and those responsibilities that they tend to neglect. It's not that it's okay for women not to pray or that men can dress and carry themselves however they want to. That, that's, not, that, that's not the No, both are to pray and both are to carry themselves in modesty. So, so you understand that. No, no, no. But just as men can be influenced by the world in how they carry themselves. Listen, ladies can be influenced by the world as well. And so Paul's addressing, and think about this. Typically speaking, it is within the nature of men, all right? It's within the nature of men to be self-providers, to be independent, prideful, rebellious towards authorities. Come on, ladies, that was your chance right there to go, amen, yeah. My wife would be elbowing me right now. He's talking about you. So, so you understand, <laughs> I just saw an elbow go over, amen. That's, yeah, so you understand that, you know, late, but, but, here's, but here's the thing. And while those things may be viewed as good by the world, please listen to this, man. Those aren't viewed good by God. So, so you understand that. Yeah, listen, God desires that men would humble themselves and submit themselves to, to God's authority in their lives to learn to be dependent upon Him through prayer. So, so you understand, but the point is this. Now watch this. Just as the world has an impact on men not praying and not walking with God, listen, it can also have an impact on ladies not carrying themselves in a godly manner. Look at the things in this passage. They're a complete opposite of what the world teaches. Notice he says, In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, and not with broidered hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with, with good works. And let, let the woman learn in silence with all subjection, and, and not to usurp authority over the man in, in verse number 12. And, and this is the thing, that the world, the, these are completely opposite to what the world teaches about women today. 
The world teaches less clothes make a woman. And the Bible teaches that a godly woman covers herself up. The world teaches women to rebel against authorities when the Bible teaches a submissive spirit. The world teaches women to assert themselves over their own husband when the Bible says this, they're to have a meek and quiet spirit. What I'm saying to you tonight is that God's women stand in the same danger as God's men do. I'm just telling you tonight, men men today stand in danger of governing their lives based upon the world and neglecting prayer and their walk with God in humility. And ladies stand in danger of being governed by the world and neglecting godliness and being used of God in a mighty way for His glory. But, But here's the second reason. As the result of prayer is for men, so too is the result of godliness for ladies. You know what that result is? Influence. One, it's influence. In the last message on the need for men to be godly and pray, we saw one of the reasons why there was a call for this. Go go back up to verses 1 through 4. He says, I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and modesty, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. So God's desire, here's God's desire, it's for everyone to be saved. Right? And, 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 and including, he says, those in authority, kings and, and, and so on. In our, in our vernacular, that would mean presidents and senators and governors and, and, and town mayors and, and so on. But, but, but so here's the thing. So, so understanding that, that that's God's desire for all men to be saved, then, then, then the call is for men in verse number 8 to pray. Well, well, why? Well, here's why. Because prayer not only moves God, it moves us. It puts us in a hard condition to where we will be godly and, and, and have regard and respect for those authorities. Why? So that we can be the influence that we need to be on them. And think about it. It's the same way with a woman. But I listen, uh, you, you understand, in, in like manner also, so when a woman, so does a woman that carries herself in godliness, huh, gives them great influence for Almighty God. Come on, think, think about it, friend. You, you got a woman that's wicked in her tongue and angry and bitter in her spirit and character and dresses ungodly yet claims to be of God? You see it all, time, all the time today. And people, oh yeah, sure, I just believe in God. And they're just un, the most ungodly individual. That's not going to do anything for the cause of Christ. That's going to push people away from the things of God. But you take a woman that's striving to walk with God and to live according to the Bible and has godly character and is carrying herself. And I'm telling you, right, listen, a godly, gracious woman like that, you're talking about people that will draw, they, she will draw people to herself and eventually unto Jesus Christ. That, that's what a godly woman can do. Let, let, hold your place there. In fact, Peter, Peter reiterated the same thing here. Go, go with me to 1 Peter and chapter number 3 here. And hold your place there in 1 Timothy because we're coming back to it. Because we're almost to the message. Look, look at 1 Peter chapter number 3. See, this, look, the Bible still speaks on this stuff. This is what drives me crazy today is guys don't preach on these things and help people on these things. We need help. I, I, look, as a guy, you, ladies, I'm telling you, as a guy, this is what I think about. I want to be pleasing unto the Lord. How do I do that? 
How do I carry myself? How do I act? How do I behave? What am I supposed to say? And you've got to go to the Bible and find those things. Well, guess what? God speaks on the ladies as well. And look at what he says in, in 1 Peter 3. Look at verse number 1. He says, Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, that means this, they're lost. He says, They also may be one without the, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. The word conversation there means this, the way that she lives. And he's saying this, that a man that's lost, he, he can be won, he can be influenced to come to Christ as his Savior. How? Because his wife is saved and she's, and she's living Christ-like in her life. And it has a powerful impact on him. Look at verse number 2. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, who adorning, let it, be, let it not be that outward adorning of plating of the hair and of wearing of gold or putting of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit which is in the sight of God of great price. I, I don't, this is not even in my notes tonight, but I was thinking about my friend Al Price and his wife Trish. And what a dear, precious lady. And, and be, be a fact, it came up, I think, uh, the other day on my wife's social media. And, and Matt, or Emily was asking who that lady was. And Natalie was telling her, uh, for those that don't know, uh, they were celebrating their anniversary or her birthday. or I think it was her birthday. And they were in Arizona. And they were coming back uh, from a cabin in Arizona. And, and a drunk driver was coming the opposite way and crossed over and hit him head on and killed her and the dog. And so she's in heaven now. But this is, what, this is how Al Price got saved. It's because Trish got saved. And Trish was, was praying for Al Price to be saved. And he said this. He said, I remember waking up one night in the middle of the night and, and rolling over and my wife wasn't in the bed and I was trying to find her and come to find out she was on the other side of the bed and on her knees before God praying that God would save her husband. He said she didn't, she put a little CD, a gospel preaching CD in my case and he was in the military at the time and he went off on a mission and he was sitting in his hotel room and was listening to that CD and got under conviction and called his pastor and said, I need to be saved and he got saved. Now listen to me, that's a godly woman. I gotta, I gotta be honest with you, I don't think it would have went that way if she'd have just been nagging and going, why don't you just get right with God, you sorry old joker and Does anybody get what I'm saying? But you take a woman that walks with God and has a humble spirit about her and a godly spirit about her, mercy the influence that God can use right there. It's like the air goes out of the room when you preach on this stuff. But we're going to preach on it tonight. I've been waiting for two weeks. Maybe I'll sleep after tonight, but I'm telling you, I ain't scared. But you understand, it's, here's the thing. This is what you got to understand. There is a desire from God for women to be godly in His churches. That's why this is in here. It's so we as men can walk with God and ladies can walk with God. The reason is so they can be influential for the cause of Jesus Christ. Man, just think about this. When you get godly men and godly women in a church, what God can do. Because here's the thing, you'll never have an impact on the world being like the world. 
But you can sure have an impact on the world when you're more like Christ. So how do you do that? Well, I'm glad you asked, ladies. I know you've been anticipating this. But look at, look at what he says. Go back to 1 Timothy chapter 2. Here's what he says, okay? It's just two points tonight, but we've got about an hour to get through all this. All right? The, late, the, the guys are cracking up because you're off the hook tonight, right? I know. So. No, we'll get to you too. So, all right. So. But here, here's, how, here's how a lady, okay? Here's how a lady, a, a saint of God is godly, okay? Look at number one. Look at verse number nine and ten. In like manner also, that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broidered hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. So here's what I would say to you is this, how she adorns herself. That's what all of that is talking about right there. The word adorn right there in verse number 9, I like this. It literally means this, to put in proper order as in to decorate. Now, when I think of decoration, I think of tree, like a Christmas tree. I was thinking about getting it out last night. I'm ready. I don't care nothing about Halloween. Big deal. But give me the Christmas tree Reese's peanut butter cups, and I'm all in, son. You know what I'm saying? The only thing I'm excited about is the apple pie concrete comes out tomorrow in Andy's frozen custard, and I'll probably be there when the doors come open. But you understand what I'm saying? I, listen, I think of a Christmas tree. Now, here's what, here's what we did. We would, we would all get the kids together, and we would decorate the Christmas tree, and we would do that. But one year, we, our, our three oldest ones, they were, they were smaller. And so we decided one year we were going to step back because we're tired. And I know the world's run by tired people, but I'm tired. Here, you, here's the box. You decorate the Christmas tree. And so we turned them loose. And we got exactly what we were asking for. <laughs> It was like one spot on the tree that had every ornament that we owned. And, of course, it didn't help that they could only reach like that high, right? And so you, you understand, it was just a total disaster. And we had to come back, and, and we had to, you know, get it all straight, straightened around. But here's the point. Though there were decorations on the tree, things were out of order. And so because they were out of order, the tree wasn't actually adorned catching that so so what i'm saying to you is that word adorn here reminds us that you can't just have one of these aspects in your life and ignore the others and go okay i'm, I'm godly no yeah you, you have to have all of this in it so so here's the thing modest modest dress but poor character that that's not godly and, and vice versa, poor or good character, a sweet spirit, but, but you have the attire of an harlot in, in Proverbs. That, that's not godly character. Does anybody get what I'm saying to you? And so the tree must be decorated in an orderly manner. So, so here's what he says. In like manner also, that women adorn themselves, and here's the first thing, in, in modest apparel. So here's their apparel. And, and so here's, here's the thing tonight, ladies, and, and please listen to this. When dealing with this subject, I often make the joke that it, this is everyone's favorite subject. Because really, because here's why. Because, because usually people get offended over two things. They get offended when the preacher preaches on what kind of music they're supposed to listen to and then what kind of attire they're supposed to wear. 
But, but again, here, here's the mindset that I'm trying to get you to, under, to grab a hold of tonight. Shouldn't we want to see what God says about how we're to carry ourselves when His Word addresses those issues? If, uh, come on, as His children, shouldn't we have a heart tonight to go, you know what, I want to please my Heavenly Father. And, and I don't, maybe you're here tonight and say, well, I've never heard these things. That's fine. That, that's okay. You've got to start somewhere and grow. But what I'm trying to challenge you with tonight is this, is that when we go through this and look at this, don't get mad, don't get frustrated, don't leave, don't, don't do those kind of things. Just, just be patient and give a little grace. All right? And so that's the idea because the Bible says, not pastor says, the Bible says that a godly woman will adorn herself with modest apparel. And the word modest right here, it, it means this. It means covering. Okay? Now, I'm going to make a lot of side notes tonight. You ready? If you take notes, here's a side note. The word modest does not mean cheap, ugly, or plain. Now, that lady's right there. You should have been, that's right. That's it. You hear that? Because I need some new shoes. Did you? Welcome back. Hey, man, you thought the air was out of the room for a while. and Okay, lighten it up a little bit. But, here, but here's my point. See, some people take this stuff to one extreme or the other. We're going we're gonna to stay biblically balanced tonight, so stay with me. Because some have taken this to the extreme like the Amish or the Mennonites, which is, I, I find insane, you know, that they have all the, you know, head coverings and plain clothes, but... They're in Bass Pro Shops with a cell phone and anyways. I got a lot of stories about that one. But see, that, that's the thing. God is not against beauty. God is not against our ladies looking nice, but He is against both ladies and men showing their bodies to everyone through a lack of clothing or immodest clothing. Does that make sense? See, there, there are two keys, all right? There's two keys to the Bible. When, when you, for women's apparel, okay, and if you're writing these things down, you ought to write these down. Here's number one. Number one is this. They are to be modest, meaning covering. I like, I like what Brother Hal Hightower said. He's a good preacher friend of mine, and he said it like this. A good definition for modest is this, long, loose, and lots. He's an alliteration freak. But that, that does preach, long, loose, and lots. But an example of this would be Adam and Eve. Do you remember when Adam and Eve sinned and they tried to cover themselves in fig leaves? They just barely covered themselves. And when God showed up, He made it clear that's not going to cut it. And He covered them with robes. Now we understand that was meaning animal skins, that means blood was shed for their sin. And we understand that. But there's also the principle that God clothed them with robe-like coats that were loose-fitting and came down below the knee. Now, that's modest apparel. Is everybody catching that? So, so, number one, modest means covering. Number two is that clothing is to be gender-specific. That means this, it's to, it's to reveal your gender. Men, dress like men. In fact, here, here's a, a verse in Deuteronomy 22.5. All right, it says this, that women shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, 
Neither shall a man put on a woman's garment, for all that do so are abomination unto the Lord thy God. Now in the Old Testament culture, as well as much of Eastern culture today, robe-like apparel was worn by both men and women. Okay, the difference for men was their color, and they were also permitted to wear pants under their garments. In the Old Testament, women had more feminine colors and styles that separated them from being mistaken as men. Don't get me started on pink. So yes, I I realized, well, I knew he was going to bring up that verse in Deuteronomy. And I realized that's an Old Testament verse that deals with the wickedness of, you know, like cross-dressing and things like that, which very much applies right now. But it also gives us the principle that our apparel is to be distinct and to identify us, whether we be a male or a female. So now, now watch this. So from those two principles, okay, the conclusion is that the appropriate apparel in Western culture that both covers a lady modestly and identifies her as a woman is a skirt or a dress that's loose-fitting and goes below the knees. There's a reason why the sign on the lady's bathroom is a woman wearing a dress. Pretty simple. It's because a dress speaks to the gender of a woman. There's also a reason why there's an old saying, well, she wears the pants in the house. Well, that came from women usurping authority over their husbands and acting like men and then dressing like men. And the point is this, that godly apparel for both men and women is to be modest and gender specific. And if you don't think that's an issue today, then you're totally blind to what's going on around us. Look at our culture. Look at our nation. Do do you not realize that genders are under attack? Pronouns have become offensive. It's like, you know, I went to a coffee shop one time and the dude, I think it was a dude, had on they, them. And I'm like, you're not, that's plural. You're not more than one. You're, that, this is not a gender issue. This is a grammar issue right now, Jack. Listen, pronouns have have become offensive. Masculinity is accused of being something that's toxic. Well, why? Because there's an underlying desire to destroy the family unit as a whole and eventually our nation. Do you understand? This is what's amazing. You don't see this stuff going on in most other countries. We went to Italy and there wasn't any discussion about what, what gender. It's only in America where we're putting up with this dumb junk. Don't, but I'm trying not to vent tonight on this stuff. But what's interesting to note is this. When this bunch wants to change their gender, they sure know how to dress to identify their gender. Like having long hair and wearing dresses so that they can identify as a woman. Is anybody getting this? And they know which bathroom they want to use. The point, the point is this. Let's not live under the deception that that our clothes are, well, they're just gender neutral and it doesn't really matter. No, it does speak to our gender tonight. And we also got to consider this. The mess we have on our hands in this generation is really funneled all the way back from the 40s and 50s during and after World War II. 
when women came out of the homes and went into the workplace and then they started dressing like men and acting like men and in turn now you have men dressing and acting like women. Think about that one. In fact, uh, last week during our revival we took the herrings over to Union Station and I pointed it out because there was this picture back in the early 1900s of all the people that were in Union Station waiting on the trains and all the ladies were wearing dresses and skirts and all the, men's were, all the men were wearing pants and shirts and ties and coats and some with top hats and things like that. You look at the old baseball games back in the old day. That, that's how it was. It ain't that way now. The effect, when they pan it over to the audience, usually you got to go, whoa. Hello? See, now we're to a place where people are wearing their pajamas out in public. Yoga pants. That leaves nothing to the imagination. And here's what God is saying. My people shouldn't follow the trends of the world. My people, rather, if we're to have an impact on the world, we ought to be different. We ought to be godly. And that's first manifested in how we dress. Now, please listen to this tonight. I realize that this can be a tender subject for some. I, I, I get all, but, but, please, but again, we're trying to look at the Bible and see what God says about these things. Okay? And please, and, and this is what I always say. Here's what I always say. You ready for this? I'm not the priest of your home. You're the priest of your own home. And I don't mean that in a Catholic sense. I mean that in the sense that you have the right to make spiritual decisions about your home, just like I have the right to make spiritual decisions about my home. As for me and my house, you know what we're going to do? We're going to strive to dress and carry ourselves the way the Bible says. That's going to be our standard. And if you choose to go another, that's, that's fine. That's, that's your choice. I will love you. When you come in the house of God, I'm not going to look down on you. I, I, will, I will love you just the same. You're going to have to answer to the Lord Jesus for those things, not me. Okay, so, so again, this is, this is your decision. You decide the, those things. However, I want you to understand some things here. One, I don't think it's fair to despise God's standard uh, here for apparel, but then turn around and say, well, you know what? God's standard for men ought to be this. They need to pray. I don't think that's fair. In fact, I was talking to my wife about this before the service tonight, and I said, yeah, it just seems like when a man of God stands up and preaches on, on things and about, about women and their character and how they should dress, there's like this big fear in, in all of this stuff because it's almost like women hold men to a higher standard but not willing to acknowledge some things in their own life. I don't think it's fair, ladies, if you look at men and say, well, they need to be godly. Well, I think you're supposed to be godly too. It's not fair if you're going to say they need to be doing that so that they can be godly, but, you know, I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. That's not fair. That's holding somebody to a standard that you're not willing to hold to yourself. That's called hypocrisy. In fact, when we get to chapter 3 in the next two verses where he talks about if a man desire the office of a bishop, here's the qualifications, and you go, yep, he needs to abide by the Word of God. These are to be his qualifications. Well, that's good. So long as you're in agreement with where we're at right here. Well, you didn't think you didn't know that one was coming, did you? Sorry, I just. But really, it's honest, isn't it? Isn't that a fair assessment? To go, wait a minute, we can't we can't expect other people to have a standard for godliness that God says they need to have, but then we're not willing to have it ourselves. 
Number two is this, is that if you desire to be part of the leadership of Faith Baptist Church, I said the leadership of Faith Baptist Church, not a member of this church, but the lead, a leader in this church, well, there are some, we, are, we do require people to honor God's standard in these areas. No, I'm, I'm just, and, and here's the thing, why, why would we not? You, you understand? Why, we, we, would wear, we, we, would, we would wear our best or go buy something nice to wear when we meet the president, but then turn right around and dress like a bum to worship God. I, I don't think God's pleased with that. I think we ought to honor him. I, I, listen, I, God, God's far greater than any man. We, we ought to give him the glory he deserves by obeying his word in those areas. Now, let me give you the third thing on this, and that's we will continue to hold this standard in our school. My goodness, where our kids are going today in their dress. And some of these 9, 10, and 11-year-old girls and the way that they're dressed. I mean, you're setting them up for a life of prostitution. That's disgusting. But you understand, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to teach our kids in our schools how to dress modestly. Now, whether they choose to do that in their personal lives or after they graduate, that's up to them. But I'm telling you, we're going to hold to the Scriptures no matter how much people in our culture go, well, that's so outdated. No, it's Bible. It's Bible. So let me tell you the second thing here. Let's move on from this. Look, look at the next thing here. It's not only her apparel, but her attitude. He goes down and says that a woman ought to adorn herself, adorn themselves in modest apparel, but also with shamefacedness and sobriety. Shamefacedness literally means bashfulness. It's the, it's, it's the, it is a downcast of eyes that reflect humility. It's, it's the opposite of a proud look in Proverbs. Sobriety literally means this, a sound mind. It's the idea that she is in self-control. Though the woman is the emotional creature, sobriety means this, she has her emotions in check. thought that would get an amen from some, some of the guys, though. You're scared right now. <laughs> but both of these reflect a godly woman's what a godly woman's attitude should be. Humble and gracious, meek and quiet. Shamefacedness, sobriety. And notice it goes on to say, not with broidered hair, broidered hair or gold or pearls or costly array. And please note that God isn't saying that a lady shouldn't look nice. Rather, it's a contrast. What he's saying here is that it's more important for a woman to have a godly attitude than it is to be wearing expensive clothing. Well, why? Well, because one, that's the part that we tend to spend more time on. Does this look nice? I'm not answering that. I'm not. Don't, don't get me in that trap, woman. We do tend to spend more time on the outward man versus the inner man. But here's two. Because a woman can have modest apparel, but if she has a poor attitude, then she's still not adorned herself as a godly woman, no matter how expensive or nice that modest apparel is. I, I like this verse in Proverbs eleven twenty two. It says this, As a jewel of gold in a swine's snout, so is a fair woman which is without discretion. You know what that means? That means a woman can look godly, but if she's got poor character, she's still a pig. Amen. Some of you are like, amen. <laughs> but that's true, right? So what, 
That's what Solomon said. I didn't say that. Solomon said it. I was just giving you the southern vernacular on that. But she ought to have a meek and quiet spirit, godly attitude. Look at verse number 10. But which a woman professing godliness with good works. So this is her actions. It's like the Proverbs 31 woman. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant's ships. She bringeth her food from afar. She riseth also while it is yet night and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. She considereth the field and buyeth it with the fruit of her hands. She planteth a vineyard. She girdeth her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night. That's a godly woman. There's a reason why there's a reason why her children rise up and call her blessed and her husband, he praises her. Because she's a godly woman. Mercy, I'm telling you, man, you got a godly woman tonight, you ought to wear her like a crown. Cherish her. Look, look at number two, and I'm, and I'm through tonight. And I want to take a little time here, is that okay, and explain some of this. But look, at, look at verse number 11. So he goes in, and he says, Let the woman uh, learn silence with all subjection. Suffer not a woman to teach, usurp authority over man. Adam was first formed, then Eve, in verse, 15, he, verse 14 and 15, he keeps going down. But here's what I would say. It's not only how she adorns herself, but it's also how she handles her authorities. You see, just as men need to have a right spirit towards their authorities, so too do ladies. A woman can have modest apparel, a hard work ethic, but she must also have a heart of humility and submissive spirit towards her authorities if she is to be a godly woman. How a woman responds to her husband, how a lady responds to her parents, her pastor, her employer at work, especially the Word of God says a lot about her character. And so this is what this last part is about. In verses 11 and 12 that we just read there, where it says, Let a woman learn silence with all subjection, but I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. A godly woman does not usurp authority over a man. A usurp means to seize or to hold on by force. And instead of going over her husband, she is to learn in silence. Now again, there's some things to keep clear here. In those days, it was typical for women to ask questions during the service. And the problem with this is that it would disrupt the preaching that was taking place, but it was also disrespectful and viewed as usurping the authority of, of men, whether it be her husband or father or, or, or the preacher that was preaching and teaching the Word of God. It allowed those women who were assertive to be more assertive and even assertive over men. So instead, women are subject to be silent and to wait until after the service and then ask their questions to their husband if they weren't married to their father or if they had neither to their pastor. This verse does not mean that a woman can't say amen. Now, don't get too carried away with it. I'm just It doesn't mean they can't make a prayer request or give a testimony. This verse also does not mean that a woman can't teach at all. I praise God for the ladies that are in our Sunday school classes teaching our kids the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there are some dear ladies in churches and even like ours that have led a multitude of children in the church to Jesus Christ. What a blessing that is. That's not what this verse is saying. This is, you understand, this, this is exalting oneself over an authority that, that God did not mean for women to have. And that's what this is talking about. 
And a godly woman understands that. And so with a meek and quiet spirit, she desires to submit herself to those authorities that God has placed in her life and carry herself as such. Number two is this. She understands that God has a role for both a man and a woman in the home. Look at verse 13. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. God is a God of order for the man to be over the woman in authority. Or God's order is for the man to be over the woman in authority. It's not about importance, but about roles and responsibilities. The man is meant to lead. The woman is meant to submit and follow. And I love 1 Corinthians 11.3. 1 Corinthians 11.3 says this, But I would have you to know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of the woman is the man, and then the head of Christ is God. Did you catch that? The head of Christ is God. Do you understand that even in the Godhead there is order? It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now watch this. That doesn't mean that one is more important than the other. All of them are God. There's God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. All of them are God. So it's not an importance. It's about order and roles and responsibility. And it's the same way within a home. God even has an order in the Godhead, and God even has an order in the home. The man was created first, and then the woman. Man was created to work in the garden, and the woman's responsibility when she was created was to come alongside and help him. And not the other way around. Look at, look at verse 14 and 15, and i got to finish. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in transgression, notwithstanding she shall be saved in childbearing, if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. So here's the last thing. She also understands the consequences of what could happen if those roles are out of order. Now listen to this. Verse number 14, let's look closely. It says, And the woman was not deceived, or I'm sorry, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in transgression. This does not mean Adam was not responsible for his sin. You catch that? He most certainly was. The point of the verse is to say, is to show what happens when the home gets out of order. Eve was leading and making the decisions, and the devil came along and deceived her, and she influenced Adam to follow her in sinning against God. And he ultimately made the choice too. But here, look at verse number 15. Okay, so notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with, with sobriety. So what does that mean? Well, this doesn't mean that a woman is spiritually born again when she gives birth to a child. It's not what that is talking about. All right? And I've got some jokes I can make about that one too, all right? It's not what that's talking about. And it is in contrast to what was said in verse 14. See, though the woman was deceived and bears part of the blame for the fall of man, watch this, she's still necessary for the home. Well, why? Well, I got news for us, fellas. Without her, we wouldn't be having children. I like what one guy said, if it was up to men to have kids, you'd have one and that'd be it. And be a fact, three other guys would look at it and go, I ain't doing that. And humankind would die out. And all the ladies said, Exactly. They'd be tough. We get a sinus infection. we got to lay down for three days. They give birth, and they're back in the house the next day cooking supper. And I'm like, mercy. I will not be messing with her. 
point is this, a godly woman recognizes these strengths. She realizes that God gave men the place of leadership because they can make decisions not based on emotions. And though she must humble herself to that authority, boy, she has a great role within the home because she is called mother to her children. And with that role comes both great praise and great influence. A foolish woman scorns those things. A foolish woman scorns those things. She will use her influence to manipulate and deceive to get her own way. But a godly woman will realize God's intention for her role and humble herself to it and allow God to use her in a great way. Isn't that good? Let, let me help you with this tonight, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm done. We, we need godly men. We so need godly men in this church. But we need godly ladies too. And if there is one thing that I could say to you tonight, it would be this. Don't let something as silly as apparel get in the way of you being everything that God wants you to be in your home and in this church. Because we need you. No doubt we need you. Let's all stand tonight.